good. All right. Well, we are live with another episode today. We have a special guest, Vanessa Ting, CPG marketing leader, retail growth consultant, and advocate for women-led and social impact ventures. With a 20-year track record of scaling brands and driving revenue in the food, beauty, and wellness sectors. Vanessa is a fractional CMO. She's known for hands-on approach for revitalizing brand identity and commercialization. Her background as a former retail buyer for Target gives her a unique 360-degree view and insight into omni-channel distribution strategies. Fueled by fast-paced, high-growth environments, she's a passionate advocate for women-led ventures and social impact. I'm Louis Bala, partner at Nuage. Without further ado, welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Louis. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Well, let's let's dive in. We'd love to hear about your journey in the CPG industry. Can you tell us your whole background, where you've been, where you're going, what you see ahead? Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, my entire career, 20 plus years of it, has been in consumer goods and retail. Um, my career and journey began in consumer insights and consumer marketing at Neutrogena. Um, which is a beauty company, and you'll hear beauty pop up again and again in my career. Um, but um, yeah, cut my teeth there at Neutrogena um, before moving on to business school. Um, I thought my career would be in CPG marketing, climbing the corporate ladder. And so uh, the next stop in that journey was business school. Um, after business school, uh, I thought I was heading back to the CPG world, like I mentioned, but ended up taking a slight diversion into retail buying at Target. Um, it was, uh, you know, an, an unexpected journey, but what really appealed to me about um, taking that path was, you know, when I was at Neutrogena, we spent so much time developing new products for this great Neutrogena brand. Um, but when we create these products and sent them out into the market, while we may have known whether or not they were successful or, or flops, we didn't know what it took for it to be successful, or at least I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a really good understanding of what happened uh, once a product ends up in that part of the entire product life cycle. So, um, you know, that being a blind spot, um, that being a curiosity for me, I, I ended up as, at, uh, at Target as a retail buyer. Right. And um, yeah, that was a great chance to see really kind of what happens live when you when you launch a product in stores, when you set the right price. Did you put it in the right place in the shelf? Um, did you market it correctly? All these different levers, uh, which are also marketing levers, um, you know, really gave me a good sense of what it takes to be successful in retail. Um, after Target, I left and returned to Los Angeles, uh, where I'm originally from, and began um, consulting. Um, it was almost an accident. Um, people had seen my background at Target. They had seen my background in consumer goods marketing. And, um, you know, there were there are folks who would come out of the woodwork to ask me questions. Oh, I'm about to launch a new product. What does it take to get into Target? Oh, what's the right kind of you know brand strategy I should take? So what began as just pro bono consulting um, turned into uh, real consulting. Again, I was 
I always thought I was going to be climbing the corporate ladder. And so never did I think I was going to take this, you know, this, this foray into consulting. Um, so yeah, for the last 10 to 12, uh, I guess 12 years now, um, I'm losing count. Um, I've been consulting with consumer good companies, um, you know, early stage, as well as, you know, those who have been in market for many years, but maybe need um, to refresh or reposition themselves. They've become lapsed in market and need kind of an infusion of a new strategy. Um, but yeah, I've, I've focused my entire consulting world on food and beverage, um, beauty and personal care, and kind of the convergence of these categories in the health and wellness world. Well, it's certainly been uh, not only just a convergence, but just the, the boom kind of in, in like the height of COVID where everybody was yeah. you know, dying to, to get their hands on the latest and greatest. What trends do you see and how quickly are those trends moving right now? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, great point on the trends of health and wellness. Um, you know, when I kind of peel back um, that trend, I think what really gave rise to it was content. Right. Like we now have so many content platforms, whether it's social media or blogs or podcasts. But this um, emergence of content as such a key pillar for marketing has made like many experts out there like, you know, come to life. Like now, like we, we're we're in a world now of like a bazillion niches um, yeah. and these niches now have like a role in the world. And so, um, yeah, one of those niches, health and wellness, has spawned so many other kind of trends within that. Um, most certainly like, you know, with COVID, there is now a trend of self-care. Um, people are really trying to prioritize their health and their overall well-being. So that's, you know, their their um, mental well-being, their brain health, um, their social well-being. All of these things now are so important to consumers more so now than before COVID. And so you're seeing all these new companies launch addressing mm -hmm. these different self-care rituals. Um, and also, you know, these content creators are creating new conversations that we've never had before. You know, menopause related businesses are now booming. You know, there was a time where no one talked about menopause, but now these content creators are talking about it and giving life to it. And now you're seeing a bunch of wellness brands launch targeting, you know, the menopausal consumer, you know, mm -hmm. yeah see creators embracing like gray hair, you know, before people, um, I mean, we still do like cover up our grays, but there is now kind of an emerging movement that I'm seeing started by content creators kind of embracing and creating, you know, new norms out of, you know, gray hair. So there's a lot of really interesting things happening in this small little niche within this larger world of health and wellness. And I think it's going to, you know, continue proliferating. Um, but yeah, exciting. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic, and, and you know and the intriguing uh, elements of, of health and wellness and CPG. Um, you know, I feel like years ago it was all like health and wellness, predominantly food and beverage. You know, like veganness, um, you know, keto. That yeah. um, do you do you see a trend? Is it predominantly more in health and wellness where investors and everybody else is getting a little bit more excited, or is it relatively flat these days across the board? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. Um, you know, maybe it's because I'm so firmly in the world of health and wellness that like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of siloed in there. But <clears throat> but absolutely, I think investors, you know, investors first seemed by my observation to gravitate towards food and food and beverage brands. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of the health and wellness trends were coming from food. And then simultaneously, you had these same trends in beauty happening with clean beauty, um, with awareness of toxic ingredients. Um, and then um, I think investors soon kind of shifted over to the beauty world. Um, not that they weren't there before, but you're seeing a lot of food and beverage investors shift into into the beauty world. I think it's the higher margins, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and the fact that before you could do DTC with mm -hmm. beauty, whereas direct-to-consumer was a little bit harder of, of, of a revenue channel for, for food because it's perishable and because right. costs are a little bit lower than beauty products, which would be much higher. But, um, but yeah, I think... Um, and then and now it's kind of expanding beyond, you know, beauty into, you know, personal care and, you know, women's health and sexual wellness. All of these areas now are becoming very popular, um, not just for CPG founders to, you know, launch in, but now, you know, investors are taking a look at it as well. And at the same time, there's like that same herd mentality with retailers. They're also interested in, in this yeah. as well because of all that critical mass happening there. No, it's... Um... It's kind of it is a fascinating shift for sure. And, you know, as noted, one of the key focuses uh, with your organization, CPG Growth Partners, is the whole brand strategy side of things. Yeah. Super saturated with with CPG. Day one, I come in. You know, where do I start as an emerging organization in, in you know somewhat of a crowded marketplace? Yeah, yeah, really great question, and and really topical now too because you have a lot of DTC brands that have created their brand strategy in a certain way. And then you've got more old school marketers like myself who have, who've approached it in a much more methodical, slower way. And mm -hmm. there's a happy medium between the two, but you know, for, from the old, the old marketers perspective, like day one, the first thing you tackle when you're developing a brand strategy is to look at the market that you are in, right? Like, right. you know, let's just take an example, um, clean beauty, um, well, beauty. Okay, so you're in the beauty market, let's say, and you know there's so many different segments within beauty because beauty is massive. Mm -hmm. There's um, clean beauty as one segment within within the market. So segment your market. Pick a segment you want to go after, and then drill down in that segment. Once you've identified your segment, which again in, in our example is clean beauty, maybe it's you know clean cosmetics. Define who your target consumer is, and this is the piece that I see. Um, that not all direct-to-consumer brands necessarily get right. They'll understand their demographics, for example, of their target consumer, but they won't understand the psychographics. And psychographics are, you know, the attitudes and behaviors and, you know, lifestyle of your consumer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not enough to just know that your consumer is between 18 and 34. You need to understand, like, what motivates them, um, you know, what in the beauty world, what's their aesthetic? You know, there's the minimalist aesthetic in, in cosmetics and there's the, you know, glam, you know, aesthetics. And so, you know, you can't be all things to everyone. So you really need to pick a specific market that is, you know, broad enough, but, but still distinct enough. And then from there, you can build your brand positioning, your brand, you know, what's your brand about? What's your brand differentiation versus other brands going after that same segment of the market? But it's this idea of segmenting the market, targeting your consumer, and then creating your brand positioning for that consumer. It's an STP framework. Um, that that is, I think, you know, what you tackle day one um, when you're building a brand strategy. Um, 
And a lot of that is just understanding who your consumer is. Um, that will create a lot of clarity around, you know, your STP strategy. Um, so yeah, a little bit of brand brand school there. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm, uh, you know, I, a side project of mine is getting uh, zinc um, in Manhattan Beach. It's like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, do I go the Alibaba quick and dirty route and throw it on Amazon and see what sticks? Um, but you know, I, yeah. I get. I guess in, in the vein of tracking marketing success and, and something I'm always asked yeah. of our partners, how do we, how do we track, how do we quantify, yeah. you know, what is the objective evidence of marketing success? Um, again, somebody comes to you and, and says, Vanessa, we want you to be our CMO. You know, what should we do about our budget? What should we do about, you know, our brand strategy? We start getting those pieces in place. What do you typically recommend, you know, whether it's year one or three years, what is, what does success look like from a marketing standpoint yeah. for Great question. This is a hotly discussed question as well among CMOs, among everyone in marketing, mostly because we're not right. There's not like a clear cut answer on what like the right success metrics are yeah. um, and, and what the right budget is. It's almost like a philosophy or, um, you know, your best hypothesis. But <laughs> starting with budgets, because success is very much determined first by like also your budget. Um, right, because you have to have a realistic expectation of success. Mm -hmm. um, so budgets, a marketing budget, and again, so many different um, perspectives on this, but if you're a consumer goods company, right? So by nature, a consumer packaged goods company is very marketing driven. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to be okay with spending a good amount of money on marketing, unlike maybe um, other industries like, um, I, I can't even give an example, SaaS maybe, or um, um, or financial services, but uh, <clears throat> I'm probably wrong about that. But anyways, a good, I would say a good marketing budget for year one to three. And again, you know, if you're, you want to be deliberately heavy on marketing early on because creating brand awareness is so difficult at the start. Um, creating brand awareness is also cumulative over time. It's a slow burn. So, you know, the, the money you put into brand awareness building at the onset is not going to yield the same kind of returns or ROI as it will down the road. So that said, I would say a good marketing budget for year one for a consumer goods company is anywhere between 15% of your gross revenue all the way up to probably like 40%. And that's a lot, right? Now this all, again, that the range is wide and the range is wide because it really depends on your um, your appetite for 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 marketing and risk and how mm -hmm. bullish you want to be, um, but also how busy your category is. There are some categories that are a little less noisy and it's easier to stand out. And then there's other categories, of course, that are noisier. Um, but yeah, that, that's generally kind of where you want to be. And then over time, you obviously want to decrease that, right? Once you become like a massive brand like Neutrogena, you've now reduced it to like 5%. You no, know, so, you know. Yeah. And, and in the vein of kind of, um, you know, the, we'll call it like the marketing milestones, yeah. um, and, and as it relates to technology and kind of applications, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're working with these organizations on kind of that omni-channel approach, you know, you, you get your brand strategy in place. Um, what is typically next? Is it the Shopify or the Amazon account? Is it finding your fulfillment partners? Um, where where do you typically recommend folks? And what are the baby steps? And can you maybe share an example of uh, where you've seen the cart before the horse where 
you know, somebody goes all in on X and it's like, hey guys, we don't have any product to send uh, for Y. Yeah. Um, we can share in that. Yeah, really great question. I mean, even for a marketing forward organization, at the end of the day, you have to have your operations and supply in place first before you pour the fuel <laughs> onto that fire. Because yeah. the, the worst thing you can do is not be in stock or have really crappy fulfillment, whether it's to your direct-to-consumer consumers or to retailers. Mm -hmm. um, and so many people are tempted to turn on marketing first to, to see and prove that there's a demand, um, which is not a bad idea, but then you, know, you really have to balance it carefully because if one presses forward without the other, you're, you're, you know, you're in a bad position, um, mm -hmm. not just for revenues and profits, but you're, you're, you know, potentially pissing off a lot of key stakeholders, your consumers, your customers, your suppliers, someone. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I would say like, first and foremost, get your product, you know, figured out. Um, that includes your suppliers, your commands. Um, and then of course your, your, you know, your fulfillment, but also, you know, it's important to begin tracking your sales velocities or your sales trends um, so that you can better predict, um, you know, better predict your production's cadence and your supply and get that right balance between sales and inventory. Right. And so all this information is super important to have, which is why, you know, partners like Nuage and, you know, um, tools like NetSuite are important because it kind of puts all that information together so that you can make smarter decisions. But um. But no, it's true. Like information is king. You don't want to fly blind because there's so many things you need to balance so carefully, right? Yeah. Between mar marketing and, and sales demand and and operations and supply. And so, yeah, all these tools, you know, are are you know, Shopify, you know, is part of marketing and sales. But like before all that stuff, you know, get the infrastructure in order for 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 your supply chain and and production. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, and that will be you know. From there, it'll, it'll be a, a much easier lift. Well, thank you. That's very insightful. And you know, kind of a last question. I want to ask any book, resource, or individual that has maybe significantly influenced you, or you know, you, you go in day one. It's like, hey, before you ask me any questions, read this. Yeah. Um, so I have two answers to that. The first one was a book that I was first given when I began my career. It's called Hitting the Sweet Spot. How Consumer Insights Can Better Inspire Marketing and Advertising by Lisa Fortini Campbell. So it's an old book, probably simplistic for anyone who's very, um, you know, who's very, uh, who's, who has a, who is a marketer. But when you are first starting out trying to figure out marketing, it teaches the importance of talking to your consumer because it eliminates so much white noise and gives, again, so much clarity and, you know, kind of eliminates, um, you know, um, yeah, uncertainty. Um and then the second piece, which is a little bit more, um, you know, modern or, or topical or recent is the podcast, the CMO podcast. Um, you can find it, you know, through any podcast supplier, but, um, or platform, but it is, it is, it interviews different CMOs. One CMO that I worked for, um, Russell Barnett was on it and, you know, really great tidbits. You know, the one that I remember learning from this CMO, Russell Barnett, was, you know, consumers can only handle one change at a time. So when you're trying to disrupt an industry or disrupt disrupt a category, you can't like layer on too many change. They can just make one step change at a time and you kind of have to lead them one by one. So that's a really great reminder because sometimes we get really 
ambitious with all the, the things that we want to evolve and, and trailblaze, but like, you know, consumers can only take one change at a time, which is a great, great reminder. Well, thank you. And, and thank you for joining us today and giving an exclusive you know, look into your multifaceted world. Um, if you want to connect with Vanessa or learn more about her, head to cpggrowth.com. Until next time, stay inspired. For our listeners, if you're looking to navigate your own digital transformation journey, remember that you don't have to do it alone. At Nuage, we specialize in helping businesses like yours leverage the power of NetSuite to streamline operations, make data-driven decisions, and drive growth. Thank you for tuning in. Vanessa, I want to give you the last word. Anything you'd like to add or share with the listeners or point us in the right direction for uh, you know, anything cpggrowth.com related? Um, gosh, great question. No, I don't. I mean, check out my website. Um, please reach out if you have any questions about uh, you know, launching and accelerating in retail and, and kind of brand strategy. Always happy to chat with anyone and point people in the right direction or talk you off a ledge. All right. Well, thank you, Vanessa. Until next time. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.